Hey now, it's uh, the Mike and JD show, and I am Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined as always by JD, by God Oliva. How are you doing, JD? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. I uh, had a had a pretty uh, pretty eventful week at work. We've got a lot of things lining up, and the uh, future is bright for me, so um, hopefully big things coming down the pike soon, but how are you? It's a very slow week, actually, over here. Um, school's getting about five weeks out, getting done with that, so just... Uh, Getting my summer plans underway, stuff ready. We've got Krakow yeah. State next week. So, you know, so, oh, wow. yeah, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. So, you gotta, are you going to talk about your future plans that you mentioned to us, or is that still going to stay under wraps a little bit? Stay under, that's going to stay under wraps because nothing's, nothing's official until it's official. Okay. Yeah. Mike's not going to, yeah. Mike is not going to um, uh, blow up the, I got nothing. I'm on the spot. And I <laughs> dropped the freaking yeah. ball. No, I, I'm not going to blow up my own spot uh, just because nothing's official until it's official. But when it becomes official, I'll let everybody know that it's officially official. Uh, officially. Um, <coughs> well, official. But, yeah. So uh, last week we had our debut episode of the Mike and JD show. And it was the most <coughs> listened to show that JD and I have ever done. Um, I don't know how the hell we did it. But episode one, we came right out of the gate. We came out hot. We had the black mask. Um, we had some CM Punk talk, and we we did the best. We've done the best numbers that we've ever done before, and uh, so thank you guys, and thank you to everybody that shared the show and listened to the show and downloaded it and watched it on YouTube. I really appreciate it because I was quite nervous. I was like, I don't think we're gonna get the support uh, with uh, without doing the impact stuff because that's kind of what people know us for. But we branched out a little bit, and people seemed to really dug, dug it. Well, I think what helped was having a uh, WWE employee with the gimmick. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. CM Punk went ahead and did CM Punk stuff. So uh, that always helps. Yeah. So that ruled, by the way. Good on you for getting that whole thing set up, bringing on, bringing on Black Mask. And um, so when JD and I did the interview last week, uh, Black Mask, he was in the mask, obviously. But we could just hear his like regular voice. And uh, so JD had to get real creative after the show and put on a voice distorter. And so he had to just isolate Mask's voice and distort that voice and then keep our voices natural. And um, you said it was pretty easy, but it sounds super difficult to me. It took about an hour and a half. The The actual editing of it was easy. It was compressing the dang thing for video that took forever. So it was yeah. uploadable to Facebook or to uh, Facebook, to YouTube. So that took... This dog is on my freaking nerves tonight. Um, no, <laughs> yeah. So Astro's trying to be the star of the show. Oh, he is. He's making noise. He's trying to explore stuff. I try to put him in bed with my wife, and he's like, "No, I don't want to go to bed." He's as bad as having a damn kid. <laughs> so, at some point, yeah. I may have to get up and just do something about this damn dog. But anyways, yeah, it was it was easy to um, isolate his voice. It was it just took time to render. It's not like it's hard. It just took time to render it out. But I knew it worked. When uh, we popped the boss, yeah. So when Garrett was like, "Hey, it worked," I was like, "I knew it. Yeah. I got it. That yeah. was a victory." Yeah, that 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 was uh, that was awesome. I, that was my favorite thing that we've ever done on the show. And Mine we've too. we've interviewed like known wrestlers, like you know, we interviewed Moose and Steve Macklin, and we've done some other stuff. We brought some journalists on, but bringing on Black Mask, I that was one of my favorite. That was my favorite thing that we've ever done. Uh, we hit a home run. Let's be honest, Mike. You and I are both a couple of gimmicks ourselves. So anytime we get to yeah. play with some gimmicks, we're going to be on our <laughs> game, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of the old like episodes of like hard copy or something like that. Whenever they'd be that's what I in- was going for. Yeah, when they would interview somebody that was in like the witness protection program and mm-hmm. like they would be all blacked out and be all darked out. Like in my head, that's what we were doing. And I I you pulled it off masterfully. Well, I was gonna do that. I was gonna isolate the video and I was gonna darken, and then he showed up with that like black phone mask, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is even better. He's like, I think I got a yeah. mask. Will this work? And I was like sure well Let's... it works it ended up working better because it's pro it wrestling mm-hmm. so he was better. he he was in a gimmick he was in a gimmick and uh for those of you that have asked uh that was not michael hayes um <laughs> yeah we, we got quite a few of those like, they're like tell me it's michael hayes without telling me it's michael hayes it was not michael hayes i promise you that <laughs> believe me if it was michael hayes First of all, we don't know who it was. We still don't know. If no. it was Michael Hayes, you and I would have made so many not so subtle Freebird jokes, it wouldn't have even been funny. Like yeah. I'd have been disappointed in us if we did not. No, did definitely I ever tell not you about Michael this Hayes. Story? Did I tell you that I met Michael Hayes before? Did I ever tell you no. that? No, no. Okay. Please. In 2014, WrestleMania weekend, right? I, I think I told the story on the, the old podcast, but I'll just tell it again. So okay. weekend in 2014, it's in Santa Clara. Um my 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 she was my girlfriend at the time she's my wife now she bought me wrestlemania tickets for my birthday because wrestlemania is always in april and we we ended up we we wanted to get a hotel room for the weekend in san jose so we went to um hotwire you guys ever you ever heard of hotwire the app hotwire oh yeah so basically you get you get on there and then you put the vicinity of the hotel that you want and then it kind of casts a net and then it gives you the best deal but it doesn't tell you the exact location of the hotel and it doesn't tell you exactly how much or it tells you how much it is, but it doesn't tell you the name of the hotel and the exact location. So you're kind of like in the dark a little bit, but we saw a hotel room that was uh, originally $500 that had been marked down to a hundred dollars. They needed just to sell the room. So we, we jumped on it. We got it right. And it was in San Jose and boom, we get it. And it's called the Fairmont in San Jose. One of the nicest hotels in the entire city. And we pull up to this place at the valet parking in a 2006 Volkswagen Jetta that uh, that my wife was driving at the time, and we pull we pull up to the valet and we look in we look inside and inside the big glass doors is a glass case WWE Championship. Oh wow! And we're like what the? And there's a line of people waiting outside the hotel because you know you got the creeps out there that uh, are looking to get their shit signed and. And do all that stuff. So there's a line of people there. They knew where the hotel was. They were scouting it. We pull up, we walk in, and there's wrestlers everywhere. And I was just like, oh my gosh, we are at the WWE hotel. So I actually stayed at the WWE talent. And not only talent, the company, the company rented out the hotel for that weekend, and they were all there. Talent executives, legends were there. The 49ers were there. That was the first people I saw when I walked in, was the actual like um the 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 defensive staff of the 2014 49ers they were there um so it was crazy so i walk in so anyway to make a long story more boring um the next morning so that night i went to nxt in san jose which was just about like a five minute walk and um so i was up kind of late i get up the next morning i go down to go downstairs to grab some starbucks and i'm in line at starbucks with michael ps hayes I'm standing right behind this guy and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, what do I do here? It's Michael Hayes. So he gets his Starbucks. I get my Starbucks. He's talking to Johnny Ace for a minute. And then me and Michael Hayes both proceed to the elevator where we're sharing an elevator to go up to our rooms. And in my head, this is the conversation that I'm having in my head. I wanted to say, 
uh, Michael, when I was like six years old, my dad bought me a best of world class videotape from the flea market that was like dubbed over tape that had handwritten in Sharpie best of world class. And I, and I got to see all of your matches. And ever since then, whenever I tell people where I'm from, cause I moved around a lot as a kid, I always say bad street USA. That was what I asked him in my head. The oh. question that I actually asked him was, what are you wearing to the hall of fame tonight? <laughs> And he goes, and he just looks at me and he goes, you'll just have to see brother. And then the, he gets off the elevator and was like, that was awesome. So yeah, that was my, my Clay story. Did I ever tell you about the, the time I worked for WWE? Uh, you know what? I, I think you mentioned it uh, not on a podcast, but yeah, go ahead and tell the story. So this is uh 2016 ish. Yeah. Memorial day, 2016, my brother and I was working freelance f- uh, film video at the time. And my brother gave me a call and was like, hey, do you want to, I got a job tonight. Do you want to work or tomorrow night? You want to work with me? So what are you doing? He's an audio guy. He does boom mic stuff, wire stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I just need a PA. I'm like, I'm not a PA, production assistant. I'm like, I'm 35 years old. I'm like, I don't work PA. Like, that's insulting. I said, get off. Get out of here. He's like, I need a driver. I just need someone to come up with me to Green Bay and drive home. And I said, that's like a four and a half hour drive. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. And he's like, it's WWE. It's for Monday Night Raw. And I was like, what? Get out of here. He said, no, seriously, I was going to surprise you. Since you were expecting me to drive you all the way to Milwaukee, and you were not going to, or to Green Bay, you were not going to tell me we were working for <laughs> WWE. What an idiot you think I am? And he was like, I thought you were a big idiot. Do you want to do this job or what? I'm like, all right, I'm in. I'm in. I'll do it. Just because I figured I would just do nothing. He's like, you're just going to hang out with me. All I need is a driver. So you just drive me up to Raw and, you know, you can drive home. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I figured I'm just going to get paid to drive. So that didn't happen. I get there and um, we have, remember the ride along show? Yeah. Yeah. I used to watch those. Yeah. We had the job that night was we were to wire up the car, the rental car with GoPros and audio gear. So um, they, they say, well, can you, can you help us with this? And I'm like, fuck it. Yeah, so I'm helping them, and I, I didn't I didn't get paid for that work. I got paid for driving, but I was there. I'm like, oh, this will take an hour, and then I can watch the show. I had because I was going to sit in the arena. It took four hours to wire everything up, and then I screwed up and I forgot to turn down the radio. So uh, after the show was over, I got WWE catering. They're right; it rules. It was fantastic. <laughs> so after the show was over, which I missed the entire thing of, it was actually the episode where John Cena started feuding with AJ Styles. So oh, cool. I missed that because I was working. So they all come out and it turns out that it's going to be AJ Styles and the Good Brothers. I'm like, well, that's awesome. I'm trying that because they're the, they, these freelancers are like, do you, do you know anything about these guys? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I've watched a couple of these things, you know, and trying not to <laughs> trying not to make <laughs> yeah. myself like a complete total dork that I'm already getting paid next to nothing to do this anyway. So my brother has to ride in the trunk to monitor audio for this whole show. And I got to follow in my Kia. So we drive from Deca- from uh, Green Bay down to uh, Rockford, Illinois. And apparently they turned on the radio and I forgot to turn it down. So it blasted everybody and it made the final show. So if you see that clip, that's my fault that that happened. Um, so anyway, I get to the hotel. I'm checking in. They're all going crazy. They're, everyone's being nuts. It's probably like two in the morning. And uh, I'm wearing my Stanford wrestling t-shirt. My buddy used to coach at Stanford. And AJ Styles goes, Stanford wrestling? I said, yeah. I said, my friend is a coach out there. We coach off-season Greco stuff. And AJ's like, oh, I used to wrestle too. So we had a 12-minute conversation about amateur wrestling in the hotel lobby at 2 in the morning. AJ Styles just picked me out because he says, oh, I saw your ears. And like, yeah, 
I said, what are you doing? So I was freelancing tonight for the show. I'm I'm a video guy. And so we just bullshitted about amateur wrestling for 15 minutes, 12 minutes, actually. I timed it. So that was my, I worked for WWE. And then I shared shared an elevator with Road Dog. It wasn't nearly as cool. Yeah. My my 12 minutes with AJ was kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, he would be he would be fun to talk to, man. Um, he was. Uh, yeah, he seems like a, like a just like a genuinely nice guy that AJ he, Styles. He was. He could have said, "I'll stand for wrestling, cool, or nothing," and just ignored me. <laughs> yeah. But instead, he just decided to bullshit with some rando guy, you know, at uh, at two in the morning. So that's pretty cool. That's cool, man. Well, we got some cool WWE stuff to talk about. Um, they so John Pollock um, was in was. Uh, I guess Jimmy Trainer. You ever heard of Jimmy Trainer? He does the know, Trainer Thoughts podcast. I never listened to his podcast. I know the name just from seeing it floating around the internet over the years. Well, he had a guy on. I'm trying to. Oh gosh, I'm trying to click the link. I know he had a he had a guy on that that has written several books about um, about media. He's kind of like a big a big guy in um, in writing books about media. He's done a Saturday Night Live book. Um, he's got another book out. Well, anyway, he. Um, he was on Jimmy Trainer's thoughts for on Sports Illustrated and was kind of talking like he thinks that uh, Warner Brothers Discovery could actually make a play for the WWE media rights. Man, that's really interesting. Um, that's really really interesting that this comes out today because like we're there's a lot of this was a lot of hubbub and um my first thought was well yeah why wouldn't they right right like especially because the I don't know if it's a rumor if this is conjecture or what right now, but the thought there's a thought that they could lose out in some of the NBA deals, right? And that's yeah. a big part of what of what's floating Warner Media tele, on the television landscape. So I can understand them kicking the tires and seeing like, hey, maybe we should try to go all in on WWE. I mean, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they want to work with a prestige brand? Because that's what you know. I'm not a big WWE fan, but it's a prestige brand. It looks good for your mm-hmm. IPA, you know, to say, Hey, yeah, we got WWE involved, especially now with their new merger. There's extra tension. They got that you those UFC ties. We know they're got that uh, Warner Brother Discovery has ties with Dana White. So it doesn't surprise me at all. It doesn't surprise me at all, too, that WWE would talk to them. Now, that being said, um, I don't know how far this really goes, quite honestly. Yeah, um, I you know I don't know if if anything's ever going to come of it, but if they're not talking to WWE, they're foolish. And if right. WWE is not open to going to Warner Brothers, they are also foolish. Right. Um, look, so if you, if you're TNT, TBS, and let's let's take away, let's forget about the fact that they already have AEW, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is the one thing making USA a top brand in cable? It's WWE. It's it's WWE. You take WWE away from usa and usa is completely out on its ass it's a dead brand essentially oh yeah they have no other hit shows other than wwe um but you know tnt tbs they 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 have the nba they have major league baseball they have hockey now um and then if you add now they're probably going to lose some of the rights for nba not all of them but but i think um maybe they're going to cut down the amount of games that they're going to air on their networks each week so that's going to open them up for for more uh, top brands and if they bring in wwe like you said it's a prestige brand i think that keeps them right at the top of the cable heap whether they decide to go on tbs or tnt now why would they ditch aew for wwe um, prestige brand. again 
it's a prestige brand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you think the WWE programming, if they were to secure the streaming rights on HBO Max, do you think it would do better than AEW? Very oh, likely sure. it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very likely it would. And they're trying to get their Max brand over that, what, $120 million mark. And also, Warner Brothers Discovery already has a deal with the WWE over in the UK because they own BT Sport. And BT Sport is the uh, is the streaming home and the TV home of the WWE in the UK. So there's already a little bit of a relationship there. So I I, I don't think it's all that far fetched that uh, that Warner Brothers Discovery brings them on board. I don't think it's far fetched. I don't know if it's going to happen. Quite frankly, yeah. Like I think that um, we're definitely in the conversation window for both companies as far as media rights deals go. Um, is this a play? From did, does WWE plant the story? There's a good chance. I think there's a really oh, good yeah. chance WWE planted the story. That's what you do. Like, I think that there's a really good opportunity that WWE has here to kind of um, negotiate AEW's asking fee down and try to cost because that's what, let's be honest, we talk about wrestling where most people don't want to admit that such a thing is possible, but WWE would like to see them get less money as possible by being yeah. in the conversation. They can so you know it, it gives Warner Media an, oppor- an opportunity to say, you know, if you don't take this, we could always just go with WWE, right? It's that's an opportunity. Yeah. It keeps things it keeps things reasonable balance for them because they don't want to. I know we're all under the assumption AEW is going to get a big rights increase. Uh, they will get a rights increase, big one. I don't know. I don't think we'll know to the end of the year, quite frankly, and. It's within Tony Khan's best interest too to not put all his eggs in the Warner Media basket, and I don't think he is either. What I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think Tony Khan is talking to other people too? Uh, it, again, it's one of those. If he's not, he's an idiot, right? Mm-hmm. But if he's if he's not, and he's not an idiot, by the way, he's very smart and he's done a great job with the brand. But if if he if he isn't, it's very likely your theory is holding up. It's that secret that nobody knows about that Warner brothers discovery owns a piece of AEW something that you've been speculating on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and you're not the only person saying that there's been some other people out there speculating it. And I, I think it absolutely could be true. Now this guy, his name's James, sorry, uh, James Andrew Miller. This was more speculation on his part, but because he's kind of a respected guy in the space, it started to pick up a little bit speed of, of steam in the, uh, in the wrestling media circles. But um, if Tony Khan isn't talking to other folks and that was the, that was the deal with ring of honor, right? He never pitched it to anybody else outside of the Warner brothers family. Um, and so it hasn't gotten picked up. So I don't know, maybe, maybe there is something to the fire that, uh, you know, AEW and Warner brothers discovery, they're in more business than just, you know, by, you know, leasing TV rights. Yeah. I, I I'm of the mind that they are because again, Tony didn't shop the ring of honor brand around and, we talk about prestige branding. AEW is a higher, I don't want to call it a prestige brand, but it's definitely has a higher Q score, if you will, kind of a cliche term, than Ring yeah. of Honor does, right? right? Like AEW is an emerging brand. Ring of Honor has never really been a brand, right? Yeah. So, but at the same time, I've always found it interesting that Tony Khan did not make that purchase as an AEW subsidiary. He made it as his own, right? Mm-hmm. He's made that clear from day one that, oh, I own AEW or I own Ring of Honor. I've always wondered why make that a thing, you know? Yeah. So again, I, I I think these guys are smarter than they play uh, than than we see them, except for David Zasloff, the 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 CEO of Warner Brother Discovery, who has made 
more than a handful of um, moves that have kind of bit the company since the merger just about a year ago. Like if you look at that stock, I wish I should have sent it to you. The stock price has plummeted, hit lows in December, and it's ticked up since then with talk of um, Max, the Max mm-hmm. um, uh, streaming platform. It's kind of like doing an ebb and flow thing right now. It is higher than it was at the beginning of the year, but it's not like it's not like this company is as strong as it was a year ago when there was hope that this merger could do something, could actually do something. So um, Zaslav has made a, a lot of poor decisions. Like the stuff with the DCEO has really bit him on the film department. Like it's they need a hit. Basically, they mm-hmm. need this max to to really go all out and we've talked i don't know if we talked about it in this show but i talked about it my superhero show about the idea of shuttering a um AEW, shuttering hbo as the name of the of the platform and i just read an interesting article about why that was a good move it seems it seems like a a a gamble to people like us but there are those that see hbo and think oh that's not for me that's like snob tv there are people <clears throat> that think that yeah and a lot of that is the discovery fan base, right? The people that watch Dr. Mm-hmm. Pimple Popper and, you know, 90 day fiance and all those things. So they're trying to make max kind of a one-stop shop as opposed to Disney, which right. That's who HBO max was trying to compete with was Disney, but they capped themselves immediately by not being Disney. So if you're trying to go all in this all encompassing app, having pro wrestling on your station is important. And realistically, and I'm an AEW fan, although I've made no bones about that, but having WWE on your, on your platform is more valuable than having AEW. It just is. Yeah. You know, I think there's something to that about the, the people that typically will watch discovery programming, you know, HGTV and mm-hmm. the discovery channel and things like that. They're not likely watching game of Thrones. And I'll tell no. you like, for example, my wife, she's probably never even clicked on HBO Max. We've had it for a long time. Never seen a single thing on HBO Max. She's definitely not watching Game of Thrones or anything like that. It's a bit too violent for her. Um, but she will watch Chip and Joanna Gaines every chance she gets. She just loves yeah. that stuff. My right? too. So, yeah, so she's she's more interested in that. So it, it just seems like the the merger of it, I don't think calling it HBO was what it would have worked. because No, I agree. You know, but but calling it max i don't know that calling it max is better i agree with that too (laughs) because i associate you know i associate that from the 90s whenever my parents would go to sleep and i would go kick on skin of max at 12 uh, 12 ah yes on a friday night Mm -hmm. that's what i associate um the cinemax brand you know Uh, it just seems to me that like discovery plus was already kind of a big deal you should have just called it you know discovery max or discovery plus something like that but i think that better I yeah, but that. there's also the problem that your guys like you and I, we're not really watching Discovery Channel, no. though. You know what I mean? So we're probably not going to go to Discovery Channel unless our wives make us. Now, you would have to do a lot of branding and a lot of advertising to get guys like us to go and watch the, go and watch some of the programming that they have on there. If it wasn't for Joshua Gates and Expedition Unknown, I probably would never watch the Discovery Channel. Um, Robert Irvine and the Food Network. Robert Irvine, Gail Kim. This oh, it's not a, it's not an impact show anymore. I don't have to no, make that connection. We're, we're um, retired, damn it. We're retired. Yes, it's my gag. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I would watch some Food Network stuff on occasion. But yeah, that's um, that's how you grow the fan base. So you have to if you if yeah. if the if the goal is to cast this wide net on the one service as opposed to having multiple services that can accumulate that that base together, then you have to cast a wider net, right? So 
And again, I'm not a fan of Max as a name either, but let's be honest, Peacock sucks as far yes. as a name brand goes. That's terrible. Like they could have yeah. just called it Universal. They could have called it Comcast. There's a million things they could have called it. And they went with Peacock, which is <laughs> a terrible, terrible name on so many levels. Hey, what's on? What can we rock on the cock tonight? Like, you know, it's just who who are in these meetings? Like <laughs> But at least it's consistently terrible across the board. But I do yeah. think that I do think that and again, Zaslov has everything in this. If this doesn't work, that's pretty much the end of him. I would say probably at at uh, Warner Discovery. Mm-hmm. Now here's yeah, the other. Well, and, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'll float this. No, oh, and there. and I would say, and then if this doesn't work, I think you'll start seeing a lot of Warner Discovery products on the cock, because there's mm-hmm. also the talk of the merger between that's Warner it. Brothers and and NBCU. That's exactly what I was going to bring up next. I know a lot of people talk about this like a done deal, but we lived through we lived through a supposed done deal that people were freaking out about, and that was Turner at that Turner. Excuse me, that was Tribune Media Sinclair, right? Mm-hmm. About four years ago, I want to say, when there was the talk of the Tribune Media and Sinclair would create the biggest media giant in the world would be that, and it didn't work. The government said, "Nope, too big. You're done." And then Sinclair went ahead and fell on its ass shortly thereafter so i would be very surprised especially with the biden administration doing things that this would happen right i would be very surprised if that would if that would go through i think that um stranger things have happened i think that i don't think it's fair to compare fox disney because what fox did was fox spun off its film television divisions and then Mm -hmm. sold those to disney fox or news corp as an entity still exists and like Fox News and stuff like that. So what we right. grew up with is Fox doesn't exist anymore. It's not part of Disney. But Fox in and of itself still is a thing. So, I mean, these right. are the- weird. These are weird corporate things. I mean, I don't really – I don't know. The next six months are going to be really interesting. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be super interesting. Uh, it's going to be I, – I don't I don't know that it's – that um, WWE is going over to Turner, but, uh, you know, who – or Turner, sorry. Warner Brothers Discovery. There's no more – Formerly there's Turner. No more Turner. <laughs> yeah, there's no more Turner. But, hey, um, AEW, they got a lot of stuff, uh, which – here, let's do this one. AEW's Ooh, got hey, a lot of I stuff like that. Here. Nice. Yeah, I clicked I, – sorry, I clicked the wrong button. AEW's got a lot of stuff in the works here. Um, so – AEW, this is according to uh, the Wrestling Observer, and this is something that we've been kind of talking about for a while in uh, in in like uh, the 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 dark wrestling media sites, you know, before it gets released, like <laughs> you know, our, yeah, our our back channels. Um, this is something that had been kind of theorized and some people knew about. Well, Dave talked about it in his Observer newsletter last week. It picked up a little bit more steam this week that AEW is set to have a uh, a brand split. And before it was going to be a soft brand split, meaning like there's probably only going to be a couple of people who aren't going to cross pollinate, but then everybody else would go back and forth. But it looks like AEW is setting up, they're gearing up to have two completely different rosters for a, an eventual Saturday show that is going to be kind of, um, you know, the guy driving the ship there would be CM Punk and then the elite would be on Wednesdays and they're going to have kind of two separate rosters. That's what the rumors are right now. I don't hate this idea at all, right? And I think that there's a lot. I think the pessimism this comes from where WWE handles their brand split, where it does it just yeah. gets they don't have the discipline to make it work. Does Tony have the discipline to make it work? We don't know. They have the talent. They have they have the ability to do it. Um, I don't think it's. I mean, it's what's we. There's so many weird coincidences to me because remember, Vince tried to do this in the early 2000s with WCW, right? 
And then their partners, specifically USA, didn't want to work, or Viacom, excuse me, not USA, Viacom, didn't want to work with WCW. So that killed that. It's fascinating to me that on the surface, this should be Ring of Honor, Mm -hmm. right? But again, the media partner doesn't want to do that prestige branding, right? What makes sense to us fans doesn't necessarily make sense to the dollars and cents guys. So I find that the history repeating itself thing to be very, very fascinating. But it has been interesting. This has been tried throughout the course of wrestling. We saw it in USWA, right? They had the Texas and the Tennessee. Uh, George in Atlanta, right, with Crockett was a thing for a long time. And that worked better, actually, than than Crockett. Uh, Watts, that thing together worked. I think that they have the roster. Like Essentially, WWF had hard brand split, essentially. They didn't call it a brand split, but they, had the, they were running three crews in the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s, where they basically had people that never really saw each other. And they didn't have a lot of pay-per-views until the late 90s. So you could work for the same company, never really see people you work with. So this isn't like unheard of, right? I I think with the amount of talent they have and the amount of things I hear about how AEW doesn't follow up with everything because they're always, it's so weird. It's like, well, they can't follow, you're mad because you don't follow things up, but you're mad that this guy isn't on the show this week. You can't do both, right? You can't, you, you don't have enough time to do both with the roster they have. So in my mind, a split roster could work. Now, is it gonna? That's a different conversation. Yeah, a, a split a split roster could work if they do it properly. Um, I I don't see the Saturday show doing great great numbers compared to the Wednesday show. So I think that one's always going to be invariably seen as the B show, which is what SmackDown forever kind of yeah. SmackDown forever kind of had that, and now it's flopped the other way to where Raw is kind of the B show because SmackDown's on uh, on Big Fox, right? Um, so I, I think that, but I don't think that they should worry about one show being seen as the B show yeah, versus the other one. I, I don't really think that that really all that matters. I think it's a good thing in the sense that all the people that we've been complaining about not getting enough TV time, are going to have those opportunities to get more TV time. But here, herein lies the problem is can Tony stay disciplined when he starts to know. see like, Hey, look, you know, Wednesday doesn't have CM Punk. But Saturday does. So I'm not going to watch on Wednesday. I'm going to watch on Saturday. Or, you know, hey, the elite's not on Saturday. They're only on Wednesday. So I'm not, you know, you're going to have some of some of that. Not a ton because AEW fans are, they're pretty invested in the success of the company. And you're going to have like a good, I would say a good five to 600,000 people watch no matter what night it's on, except mm-hmm. for Rampage, which nobody watches right now. But so you're, you're going to have that core audience that's going to go back, that's going to watch both of them no matter what. They, they have decided that um, living life outside isn't as important as, <laughs> as supporting uh, AEW. So th- they're going to do that no matter what. But you're, you're going to have people kind of picking and choosing. I think that's okay as long as you get more money. But uh, I think inevitably – the ratings are going to slip a little bit. And, uh, you know, if they do, can Tony be like, okay, look, we got to bring punk on to Wednesdays because the Wednesday show is, is dipping now. It's like, oh shit, we got to, we got to send the elite to Saturday because the Saturday shows are going to dip. Um, and the, the attendances are going to dip. You, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's going to happen. And that's, that's what always, that's what Vince always did. Right. When it, he'd pull the trigger uh, every time something would happen and the ratings would dip, he would just start sending people to both shows. Well, it's Vince because Vince had no discipline when it came to the rosters, but like it did work at first. That first yeah. year plus with Raw SmackDown, it was fine, and they right. were good TV. Like people like reminisce about the SmackDown Six era, in my humble opinion, the last pretty good era of WWE TV before recently. Right? right. I'm I'm of the mind that it it can only work, and this is different. This isn't 
this isn't predicated on we just want to drive numbers. This is actually predicated on personality clashes. So they have to be disciplined about it, at least initially. If this, if we are to believe this is real, like I don't know, I don't know if where this is going to stand. Like we talk about ratings slipping, the reality is the ratings for everything will slip and will continue to slip invariably because ratings for everything continue to drop. The only right. thing on television that's up year over year is raw. That's it. Nothing mm-hmm. else on television is moving up. And kudos to WWE. They've been disciplined for a good year about getting their ship in line. Before that, they had a 20-year trend of slipping ratings. So they mm-hmm. buck, They are the only thing on television to buck the trend, which is what hurts with AEWs because that's the comparison. So will the ratings slip? Yes, ratings will continue to slip no matter what, no matter what they do. That being said, is can you keep can you stay ahead of or at least within the top five of cable television for your night. Because if you are, then you won. Then you're winning. All we talk about is the perception. Is does now, what do you care more about? Do you care about making your partner happy? Do you care about what some nerd with a Twitter handle that's paying eight bucks a month so he has his blue check <laughs> thinks about it? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're talking about somebody specifically. No, Oh, okay. <laughs> I could be. Is there anyone specific? I was like, you dropped no. yours. I'd be. I would just say it. I would just pick on you. No, 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 no. I like... draw. I draw. I did. I did that the first month. Well, no. So, um, you know, you can't. You can't listen to the Dangors of Twitter, right? Oh, and... Dangor lost his blue check, so that's why I didn't know we were going back. Can... Oh, okay. I'll I shit I on him later. Ha- I thought no. he still had the blue check, so I thought we were going in on Dangor. No, I'm sure um, that's but... his parents for some old, some money, and they'll, they'll pay for it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I do. I absolutely fully believe that his parents are paying his uh, Twitter bill whenever that does come back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with with that topic, with the brand split, CM Punk and Jericho apparently had a meeting that was being mediated by FTR earlier in the week to try to smooth things over because you know CM Punk called Jericho a stooge, thinking that maybe it was Jericho that spilled the beans on the whole. You know, Punk uh, threatening a lawsuit and yada, or talking to lawyers and saying he wasn't going to show up and yada, yada, yada. Um, and we all know for a fact that it wasn't Jericho. Jericho's not that stupid. He told somebody else to tell Dave. So, <laughs> but he, you know, so I guess they had a meeting. It looks like they smoothed things over. It appears, you know, we're hearing from a lot of different places. It appears that they might actually be working together whenever Punk comes back. So, you know, it looks like we might have a Punk and Jericho Appreciation Society an FTR uh, branded Saturday night show with elite and uh, Moxley, uh, the, you know, BCC and the elite on, on Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Sign me up. I like the way this sounds like the <laughs> yeah, Saturday, yeah. the Saturday show has good talent. They have CM Punk mm-hmm. and Chris Jericho. Like, okay. Have I seen that feud before? Yes. It's been a decade. Watch it again. Right. See what they can do now. They're both in much different places. And I think Jericho is positioned as a company leader and he's doing what he feels say what you want about chris jericho he will always do what he feels will help the company always constantly Mm -hmm. and he's going to be the most i'm going to swallow it i'm going to go work with chris cm punk right i'm going to show this can be done and kudos to him on that i know we don't like how he votes so he's a bad guy but like this Uh, is reality if if you're one of those people that hates chris jericho because he's republican you are a loser and you're a part of the problem and not part of the solution. Right. JD and I vote differently than, than Chris Jericho, but guess what? 
you know what? I, I ain't got no hate for Chris Jericho because he doesn't vote for the same people as I am. You're you're part of the problem in this country. You're not part of the solution. You're being an asshole. Agreed. And it's the same thing with wrestling fandom. Like it's these people that like we talk that we're shit on Dangora. I'll, I'll shit on Dangora a little bit. These people that like, you know, love the Undertaker walking on the ropes, but a Mexican guy does it, then you're gonna post on gifts of gymnastics routines. It's like, oh, that's right. racist as all hell. Like you yeah. don't I get I get you don't understand lucha, but like doing stuff like that, oh you're a turd, you know, yeah. following your turdliness. Like the, the tribalism, especially that is so magnified and fed, fed online. The algorithm loves tribalism, right? Mm -hmm. So we get inundated with it. And I give, I give CM Punk or CM Punk and Chris Jericho a lot of credit for being able to say, okay, we're clearly different people. We might not like each other, but we have to go to work. We have to make this work, right? I go, I work at a school. I don't get along with everybody. I don't vote the same way as everybody does in my building. I am, I live in a county currently where I may be the only liberal in the county, my wife and I. It's entirely <laughs> possible. So I don't talk about how I vote because I'd like to get to work with my tires in one shape. It's filled up every day. <laughs> but that's just, I mean, like, the, the, you're right. This is the problem we have is like everyone's so like tribal and they get mad about things. Like, People are allowed to have different opinions and people are allowed to have stupid opinions too, as long as they don't hurt yeah. anybody. Right? right. And yeah. And just because they vote differently than you, that doesn't mean that they're like, they're, they're not irredeemable, right? They're not going to hurt you. Right. right? They're, not, they're not, they're not going to attack you. It's like, come on. Like I, I, dude, I grew up in a trailer. Do you think maybe I might have been one of the very few liberals in the trailer park? Right. Like, like I am one of very few people that, that, that thought a certain way. But guess what? I still love the people that I grew up with. I love my family members. You know, I'm not going to treat them differently because they believe differently in me. I'm not an idiot. No, and, I, and there are people. There comes a point where you have people in your life who do who might think a certain way, and they push you to a certain spot where you cannot have relationships with them anymore. Yes, and that is like stuff like that goes beyond your person, your political beliefs, or what you think about everything, and it gets to something much more personal, right? Mm -hmm. And those those issues are not. As simple as I vote X, you vote Y, right. right? Do I think Chris Jericho sounds like a dipshit when he talks about politics? Absolutely. Is he going to keep doing it and make a lot of money? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do I enjoy watching him on Wednesday nights? Yes, I do. Yeah. Will I continue to do so? Absolutely. So yeah. I, but I'm a fan of this. I, I think this is great. I think we need more people. I think we need more people willing to say that guy is a complete asshole. I can make money with him. If we just mm -hmm. shut the fuck up for two minutes. Sorry, Garrett. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and for all the people that want to say whatever they want to say about Chris Jericho. Yeah. He's doing, he's a company guy. He's going to do, he's going to swallow the ego and the pride a little bit. And he's going to make a little bit of money. He's going to try to make the company better. He's willing to reach across the aisle and olive branch somebody that was absolutely rude to him. Um, so I, that gives kudos to him for that. Yeah. And when, and when Rick Steiner attacked Giselle Shaw, who was one of the, the, the most famous guy, the most famous veteran from the nineties to come out and, and, in her defense, it was Jericho, Jericho, right? A lot of people don't have those kind of guts and Jericho does. And he came to her defense big time. Mm -hmm. So you say what you want about his voting record, but I I'm here to tell you, it's very likely, you know, all his years in the business and the fact that he keeps getting employed and all these people seem to like him. He might be a nice guy despite his voting record. He might mm -hmm. very well be a good person. And to you phonies that say, well, I just don't like him on TV. He ruins everything he's in. Every time I go to a show, people will be singing Judas. Yeah. Dude yep. sells a lot of t-shirts. So don't lie to yourself. It's 
it's it's not him it's you mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um so uh real, real quick uh dax quit his podcast um and by quit i mean uh it looks like his boss told him he's not allowed to have a podcast anymore he's, he's stirring up too much shit he stirred up a lot of shit on that podcast that's part of, okay <laughs> let's be real yeah. mike you and i have had a podcast for two years two years now we've been doing this two, over two Just, years yeah over two years now part of the fun of doing of having a podcast is stirring shit up yeah, Rachel right. Ellering still hates us. <laughs> fact, Rachel Ellering does in fact hate us, and by extension, so does Chris Hero. So yeah. that broke my heart when I found out I was blocked oh, by Chris Hero. Yeah. That was like a that was that a was dark. Tough. But damn it, that joke had to be made. But that's just <laughs> the thing is we can do that because you and I have no like real tangential relationships seeing these people, right? Yeah, we don't serve those masters. Our job is to be court jesters. Firmly believe that. When you actually work there, it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit harder. You <laughs> yeah. know, when you're when your when your hobby keeps pissing off everybody you work with, maybe it's time to tone that thing down. You know, because yeah. there is such thing as my, self-preservation. I have some advice for any active pro wrestler that signed with a major company. Never go full JD. Everything I hate about professional wrestling. Everything I hate about wrestling is summed up into this one. And it doesn't matter if it's, it's, if it's men or women, you know, dogs, it does not matter. This is everything wrong with modern professional wrestling summed up right here. Couple thoughts on that. What the <laughs> hell was I thinking with that hair? Like I look back at that. I forget you had that. Sometimes I go, what yeah. was I, I had that hair mm. for a year. Jesus too. I don't even know what I was talking about. I assume Rachel Ellering. Good. That that was the Ellering that was, thing that got us in all the hot water. Yeah, that yeah, was what because, got us in. The, what was that? Yeah, mad because about? because so she had that about? promo on Impact where she was crying about getting fired from WWE, and her and her lifelong best friend, whom she just started tagging with the week before, they won the tag team titles and they lost the tag team titles on their first ever defense, and she started crying about it in the ring. And the acting was just terrible. It was like a twenty-minute segment. Is that what I? Freak- shit. That, Is that that's what, what it was? was. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. some dark. I thought it was some undead realm shit. I'm no, clearly no, was- I was in a clearly I was in a mood because yeah, that's a bit strong. That's a bit strong. Hey, dude, it thing. was it was a pretty bad segment. Yeah, I man, I've clearly blocked that out for my own safety because <laughs> I don't remember it at all. Like that's the thing though is when you have a podcast and you have to kind of steer into these things. Perhaps yeah. I was being a bit hyperbolic in that scenario. Uh, Dax can't afford to do that. No. He's got to look at these guys every day when he goes to work or every yeah. week, I suppose. Yeah, it's probably for the best. And let's be honest, was that a good podcast? I never listened. Was it a good podcast? I listened to the first episode and I really liked it. Really? Um, but I never, I never listened to it again after that because, because I just got the feeling that he was just part of the same ad-free shows grift that is anti-Dave Meltzer, um, and he was just leaning into that audience. His co- his host Matt Coon is very much of that mold. He tried mm-hmm. to do the same thing with Dutch Mantel a few years ago where he um, was actively getting Dutch to, to tweet anti-Dave stuff. Dutch Mantel, who had never tweeted about Dave Meltzer before, all of a sudden starting a podcast with Kuhn. Next thing you know, he's tweeting all this nonsense and stirring people up. It's like, oh, he's promoting a podcast, and here's the guy, here's the culprit right here, one of Conrad's guys. So I just got the feeling it was going to turn into that, and that's very much what it, what it turned into, so I just didn't listen to it anymore. You know, it's so funny about that, too, because like he's sitting, he became Mr. Mental Health Advocate over the last year about how you know I have to protect my mental health. This stuff is bad for my mental health. He had absolutely no problem. To, I mean, Dave seems to let things just kind of roll off him like a duck. 
you know, Brian seemed to get pretty upset about stuff. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're cool, you know, when it's my mental health, then it's a thing. But when I shit on your mental health, then that's, you know, you just got to, you just got to get tougher. Right. Yeah. A yep. little bit of a little hypocritical. I mean, it's probably, honestly, it's probably for the best. And all those ad free shows, like they all start off kind of interesting and they all follow the same formula and they get boring. And it's just to get old guys to just go, remember how great wrestling used to be. It's all mm-hmm. bad today. Deli Meltzer sucks, blah, blah, blah. And they give Conrad a bunch of money. Yep. Yeah. Um, $30. They wanted $30 for the last Jim Crockett <laughs> interview. I will never get over that. $30 for a for a quick time. Thank, Con artists. Thank, uh, thank, thank God I had uh, I had a way to get that without spending $30. Anyway, um, just, speaking, of, say how much speaking of spending money that you wish you never spent, how was the Ringmaster book by um, uh, Abraham Weissman? Very mediocre. And I was disappointed because it had a lot of good buzz coming into it. And I was actually looking forward to reading this. The first couple chapters, which I didn't, I admittedly didn't know a lot about Vince's early life. So those first couple chapters really grabbed me. And it kind of painted a picture of, boy, this is why this guy is the way it is. The rest of it read like, well, this guy, it read like an account of previous accounts. Like, right? right Reisman? I believe Reisman's how you pronounce it. Did I say, did uh, I say uh, the name wrong? I apologize. I don't, I don't remember how you said it. That's why I stuttered okay. over myself. Um, she does a good job recapping work other people have done for the most part. And again, maybe this isn't a book for wrestling fans because like mm-hmm. going in, I knew the vast majority of the stuff and part of me was like, wow, you breeze through the trials so fast. You breeze through, you know, uh, Titan gate so fast. Like those in themselves could have been, should have been books. Instead mm-hmm. this come, like, I, I think it was, I forget what someone in our Discord said it was like a Wikipedia article. Yes. I thought that was harsh until I was finished with the book. And it stops in late 1999. Well, I think she's trying to write another one. She's trying to write a follow-up book. And when she was writing it, that's when all the modern stuff started to break with all of the NDAs and stuff. So she paused on it for a little while. But yeah, so that was the review that I got. Because I I, I have this book and I, I planned on reading it. I'm still probably going to read it should. on like my next you camping should. trip. Um, but I heard that it's it's um, a, a giant book of plagiarism. <laughs> it's just, you know what I mean? It's not because it's not because she cites her sources. She a lot of other people. Well, I know, but she, it's just a book full of saying, hey, this person wrote this, this person wrote this, and it's not really a ton of original work. No, that's, I mean, that's, like, that's what I was told. No, so. it's a lot of like, well, Bix did that and Dave did that. And it's just like – yeah. And again, like she, she got some interviews with people. Like she did do work. It's not like it, it's not like it was just like cobbled together. But at the same time, I don't feel like any new ground was broken. I don't feel like there was enough because this book steers heavily political at many points, but not like hardcore into it. Because you could do a whole book on Vince and Trump and just make that the book. Instead, this like flirts with lots of different things, but doesn't really commit to anything. Like, and that's my, that was my biggest issue with the actual content is there's no, like, there's no, like, straight commitment to, to a thing. Like, again, the, the, the Titan Gate stuff, Mel Phillips, like, that could be, you could really dig, really dig into that. And they, they talk about it, but I mean, like, I'll be honest, like, between the sheets with, with Bix and Chris, and Chris Zeller did a better job uncovering all that stuff and really unearthing things. And I feel like, I feel like the book just, it didn't live up to those things. And I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. And also we talked, what colored me on this too 
is I'm an audible person because you know I'm a busy guy. So and I but I love to read. So I have my audible subscription. Alice Wine Wine Glass. I forget the name of the I think it's like Wine Glass, something like that. The the narrator was one of the worst narrators I've ever seen Oof. in my life. And what I say is, is like her delivery is okay, but what bothers me about these narrators, and I read a book called the same way called The King in New Orleans about Junkyard Dog, and I read it about three years ago. And this was the same thing, is when these goddamn narrators can't do a single bit of research to figure out how to pronounce things correctly. Right. I had a running tally of them in, in our Discord, just of all the, the, the things that were driving me nuts that they mispronounced. The worst, the most egregious is when she referred to the NWO as NWA. <laughs> NWA. JD. JD. So you you are a uh, your documentarian and you have audio and video editing skills. I need you to clip the inwa and so we can Done. have it as a soundbite. Done. <laughs> I'm gonna do that. It's so. And it's like it's. And again, I, my first thought was, well, why can't these? Because again, I'm an independent writer too, so I understand the the, the way you get it, like you get a audio audio books are tough and they're expensive. But I'm like, man, why can't these publishers at least like help these narrators out? Give them a pronunciation guide. And I'm sure as an author, it's got to piss you off. So then I looked up. Reisman's Twitter page, and there's a picture of the two of them hugging each other, and she's sitting there talking about how great a performance it was. And I'm like, you fucking liar. You fucking liar. You didn't even listen. Because there's no goddamn way a guy who's writing about wrestling lets Enwa be the pronunciation. There's no way that you hear that and you give the okay of it. So you're a liar. And that's another reason why it really colored my opinion on this book, because I think that she lied. And that yeah. bothers me because clearly, like you didn't take you didn't take this what was it nine hours that it would have taken to listen to this book. You didn't bother to do it and okay your own work. And as a writer, laziness pisses me off. And that's what a lot of this felt came off to me. It came off as lazy. So I mean, like it's a, in my opinion, it was a tad mediocre. Just the whole package. And again, the uh, the audiobook really colored my perception on this too. So I will mm -hmm. not. I will not not say that it didn't, but I, I came out of this book really feeling like, okay, what's uh, what, what what Stephen King thing did I miss next? You know, like <laughs> yeah, I'm on The Shining now. So I mean, like yeah, it was, it was uh, it was really it was really disappointing. But I would like to have you read this yourself at some point and tell me what you think. I I, I will do that. Um, so <laughs> we, we we're running out of time here. So oh. WWE and AEW they got work shoots going on. Uh, Drew Galloway deleted uh, all the WWE references off of his Twitter. Rumor has it that by the end of the year, he's coming a free agent. Uh, Becky Lynch also is doing work shoot stuff on Twitter. Um, but that that's less of a work shoot. I think she's just working a storyline on Twitter as opposed to trying to make things, make people believe that what she's doing is real. But, uh, you know, Drew Galloway, you think this guy leaves WWE by the end of the year? I would be surprised, but I was also yeah. surprised when Cody Rhodes left AEW. So true. anything is possible. And yeah. if I'm Tony Khan, I would welcome him with open arms oh, because 100%. he's awesome. He's, he's awesome. Great. You know, we're he's Impact great. guys. He was great in Impact. And I do. Do I think he's been underutilized in WWE? Yeah, I do. Yep. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Same, so, same um, here. I, I, I thought I thought he should have beat uh, Roman at Clash of the Castle last year. They could have flipped the belt back to Roman eventually, but I I, I was disappointed in that. But uh, does this I, now, I, does the thousand day reign thing really matter? Does it? I no. Does does it matter to me? No. Um, 
will it matter to people when they're rewriting history 20 years from now? That's probably the, what mm -hmm. they're going to say yeah. over and over again. That's what they're looking at, right? And yeah. you know how they introduced Bruno, the total collective days as world champion? They introduced him as that, the, the kayfabe number of sellouts he had in Madison Square Garden. Mm -hmm. Like, does that matter to the everyday folks? But no, but whenever, like 20 years from now, when they're retired, that's going to be one of those things that they write in the storybook. That's just all that they're doing. So I don't think it sells an extra ticket today, though. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I think that um, they could have. I think we. Uh, I think there was such there was such a period where belts didn't flip flop so often that I think we steered the other way, where everyone has to hold belts forever, or it's like terrible. Like people were yeah. freaking out about Hobbs only having the TNT thing for a month, and it's like, well, that's kind of how all of them are, right? It's a TV title. This isn't Memphis where the belts change hands every week, like. Right. But it doesn't have to be like. Brian made a good point on Wrestling Observer Radio saying if if everything is an epic title reign, nothing is an epic title reign. Agreed a thousand percent, you know, because they got Bianca's reign and mm -hmm. Uso's reign and Roman Reigns's reign. Um, not, none of it none of it really matters if everybody's doing it all at the same time. Right. right? So I kind of I kind of like I kind of like how the title reign situation is kind of going the other side of the coin a little bit on their side of the street, a little bit more, but I just like, I don't know. That being said, if, if drew Galloway, I would be surprised. I would be surprised to let that guy go, but yeah. money is important. Like if he don't what? feel like he's getting his worth and let's be honest now that endeavors running things, if you pay attention to UFC, all the <laughs> paychecks aren't going to go up. Francis Ngannou says, hi, everybody. If you, uh, yes. if you think that anybody that a guy like drew McIntyre is expendable, yeah, um, professional boxer, Francis Ngannou, correct? Uh, I he's trying. I don't think it's gonna work, but he is definitely trying. Um, next topic. Oh, hold on. Next topic. Uh, we got some free agency talk. We're gonna start with uh, Nick Aldis, former NWA champion. He uh, resurfaced in Impact Wrestling this past week. He uh, he challenged Steve Macklin. Uh, that match is gonna happen eventually. It's not happening at the next show like everybody thought. It's actually gonna be happening down the line. But uh, he signed with Impact Wrestling, and I think this is a perfect fit for him. We've been saying this for months. Oh, yeah. I think they waited too long. Here's a question. Is that an impact official graphic, or is that just somebody no. whipped that up to make fun of AEW? Because it's so pretty my, good. Uh, a buddy of mine, Jeff, from the Talking Nonsense About Impact Wrestling podcast, oh, okay. yeah. he whipped that up uh, it's and good. put it on it's Twitter. Well and uh, I, I hope he doesn't mind that I stole that for the podcast. No, this isn't going on YouTube. This is just for us. It keeps me on track if I have the PowerPoint. That way I don't have to look at my notes all the time. So that's why like not all this stuff's going on YouTube. It's just for, just for me to stay on track, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, this is a great fit. I mean, Mickey's here obviously. So that, that makes a ton of sense. And uh, you know, he came out, he, the guy, look, say what you want about Nick Aldis. You, you know, you probably not going to get five-star classics out of Nick Aldis, but he, he can have a, he can have a pretty good match. He, uh, he looks the part. He's a great talker. He could mm -hmm. probably get you more into the UK market than you already are because he has those connections over there. Uh, Back and in the he, UK market, yeah, and he and he very much carries himself like a star and a world mm -hmm. champion. And nobody else seems to want the guy, and it's probably because he's always carrying himself like a star and a world champion. So, um, and Impact with the with the way that they're going right now, with the way that AEW looks like they're going to be running three separate rosters with the two brands on AEW and then the ring of honor brand, you got WWE running three separate rosters. Uh, you know, impact is just going to be having to find these stars that really nobody else wants. And that's, that's, you got, that's where you get Nick Aldis. I think this is a great move. He, he's an impact guy. This is yes. Magnus. 
It's Magnus. Mm-hmm. He's home. Like, and you know, I'll be honest with you. I went to the original All In. Cody Rhodes and Nick Aldis was a much better match than you think what it was. I really liked that match. I liked it a lot. I thought it, it was the match that I remember most on the card, other than Marty Squirrel driving me crazy with that boring <laughs> ass. He brought Okada down to his level. Yeah. God, I hate that guy. Yeah. Um, more more notes really quick. I didn't give everybody a graphic because I was running out of time. But um, um, Jordan Grace, more impact talk. Jordan Grace is headed towards uh, free agency, man. Um, if if I'm a betting man, I think I'm going to bet AEW here for Jordan Grace. I could see that. Je- Gresh was really apologetic with what he said about Tony Khan. And I'm like, that's interesting. Like, guys in therapy, he's, he's that was a great article, by the way. He was Very really good. introspective. It was really a great piece to read. But it was like, it felt inter- it felt interesting to me. And I was like, wow, does he want to come back? Perhaps no, but it, I don't know. I know his wife might be looking for work. And I think she fits in better there with her outside stuff than she probably does over at WWE. Yeah. Um, uh, Commander, uh, AAA star, he actually, he's a full-time AEW guy now. He signed with AEW. He'll do, uh, he'll be like Pentagon of Phoenix so when he's not doing a AAA stuff, he'll Show up and do be an attraction ring of in uh, AW, and that's great. We need more attractions in wrestling. Not everybody should be on the show every week. Some guys have to be special, and to be special, you can't be on every week. They kill. What happened when Andre the Giant became a week to week character in WWF television? He was just a dude in the Heenan family. When he mm-hmm. was an attraction traveling the world, and granted he was younger and healthier, he was special. Some guys need to be special, and some of these lucha guys, I think less is more in some cases. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think this is a great signing by AEW. I think people are going to be upset that Commander's probably not going to win a lot of matches for a while. He's like, he's got to be what, 19, 20 years he's like old? 20. He's a kid. Yeah. He's a kid. Like, let the guy, like, they're going to bring him. He's going to do some cool stuff. And then eventually the guy, they're, they're probably going to do something with him. It's just not going to happen right away. He's just going to come into his rope box stuff and it's going to be cool on TV, but he's mm-hmm. not likely to win a lot of matches very soon. They don't and do that. They don't, is, they don't, they don't no. sign guys and push them out of the gate. Anybody. They just, that's no. just not the way Tony Khan does things. No. Yeah. They, they kind of, uh, unless you're like a Brian Danielson, CM Punk level. Right. But if you're Different. a commander, yeah. an unknown guy, yeah, mm-hmm. he's going to come in and you're going to rise through the ranks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Holiday, I thought this was interesting. He just recently left MLW. Cancer survivor, he just uh, was in re- Oh, he beat remission. it. Oh, he beat good. it. He's in remission. Yeah, he did the whole thing. Did the whole ring of the bell. I saw that on Twitter. Almost cried, but I didn't. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he's, he's now a free of MLW, man. Um, I This is one of those things, like, he's got a buddy in AEW, and, and AEW is going to be running three separate rosters. I like Richard Holiday. I don't think his in-ring work is to the level of AEW would want, but he's got some charisma. He's got a good look. I, you know, maybe they could use him. I don't know, but he clearly has a connection there with MJF. Yeah, if I were if I were Impact, I, I would try to get Richard Holiday and Alicia. To, yeah. I would try to get. I would. That package was working really well there before he got sick. Like I think Alicia. That, um, that's Al- Alicia. A toot. Yeah, <laughs> I think I don't know if they're a real life couple, if that was just on TV, but they actually had really good chemistry on screen. Yeah, um, I saw some I, of the clips and they look like they're getting into some boner jams or something. Uh, uh, um, no argument. Uh, I think that <laughs> I think that's a I think that is a guy. And if you bring him in as a baby face, he's a cancer survivor, right? You could steer Money, to that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if you bring him in as a heel, he's a really good heel. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I AEW is so log jammed right now. 
right? I, I know, but I just I just see them so, like they re-signed Sean Spears. Why? I just because they need more people. He doesn't add to the roster, right? Has anybody ever gone to an AEW show? It's like, man, I can't fucking wait for Sean Spears to hold up the 10 sign. Never happened ever at an AEW show. They brought the guy back. I think they're just putting bodies on the roster to gear up because they need a lot of people for this second brand. That's why I was like, maybe AEW, but I, you, you said impact impact needs, you know, needs people, but they keep their roster super small. So when one person leaves, they bring in one person to fill that thing. They, it seems like they have a cap on the amount of it, people it that they're going to be bringing in at all times. It does. But I think he's a guy who could use a fresh coat of paint. And I think that I hate cliches. I think that, and I think he could work in that rock. I think he could work there because he yeah. has something different. We don't have, I guess if you have Aldis, he's kind of like the. But I think I don't know. Is Aldis gonna? I'm I am on a break from Impact. Yeah. Is Aldis? A, he's a babyface right now, right? He's, him in. he's definitely a babyface right now. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. So you could bring him in as a heel. Like I think that I, I think it could work. I that's a no brainer. I don't know if WWE touches him, especially I, I, after I, the cancer I, thing. You know, you think they would like the the beating cancer thing because they like those types of stories, but I think because they're worried about his health and mm-hmm. um, and they and they you know kind of Roman Reigns uh, battling leukemia, and I know that you know that's that's a tough thing, right, for everybody. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know that they do that. I, I I think your idea is probably the best idea is to for Impact to to sign the guy. Um, Tessa Blanchard is making a comeback across the Canadian indie scene. Um, any chance she gets picked up by any type of TV promotion? There's always a chance, but I think that TV promotions, and again, we had this conversation last week is are people not allowed to work ever again when they Mm -hmm. screw up? And that is, that is up to the employer to figure out her screw up is man. We joke, I joke about no one ever being successfully canceled. Tesla was successfully canceled. (laughs) Like they canceled Tesla. She's been gone for years. So the thing is though, and people are, misinterpreting what she was actually canceled for. So she had the altercation with La Rosa Negra, right? Yes. And, and people said this was alleged, right? So I, I can't, I'm not verifying alleged. this alleged that she had, she had used the N word in an altercation with La Rosa Negra. Now um, she didn't get canceled for that. She actually no. didn't lose her job until six months later when she no showed impact and threatened to kind of, you know, toss the belt or whatever. She, she essentially held impact up for money. Impact said eat shit, stay in Mexico we don't want you. And she's never been seen on TV again. They tried to bring her back in the wow superheroes, but she got fired from there too. Because she's Tessa and she burned, like she pisses yeah. people and, off wherever she goes. And she's she Tully's daughter. She yeah. is. And she was, and she was a bully to a lot of the other female wrestlers too. As well. Here's the thing too, is I know that impact fired her because of the title, the holding up the title thing. Yeah. Everybody else. She was nuclear to everyone else before that. Right, because of the stuff with La Rosa Negra. And anywhere she go, I mean, like, she's going to have that specter with her wherever she goes because people are going to bring it up and it's going to be a thing. And it's very hard to say, well, I'm not like that anymore. Look, she forgave me. And, like, it's hard, man. And, mm-hmm. like, her reputation, not just that, but she has that bully reputation where there's not a lot of people willing to advocate for her. Like, I know she's got fans. Some of them are good friends of ours. But realistically, like, she doesn't have a lot of friends that are willing to sit there and go, you know, I will speak up for Tessa. Like nobody really advocates for her. Yeah. So lately, it, lately, and this is our friend Lucha Doncic. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he loves Tessa loves Blanchard. Mm-hmm. Like I almost banned him from saying the word Tessa in our chat. Cause he talks about <laughs> Tessa so much, but 
you know, he did notice that Impact had been sharing Tessa um, clips lately on all their socials, and Tessa has been doing the same, and she's doing the Canadian tour. Uh, we reached out to a, fr- a mutual friend of ours um, who is a wrestling expert, um, but we're not going to name him. <laughs> Inside joke between me, JD, and our buddy from uh, from our chat earlier today. But uh, um, and and people are thinking it's a real possibility that she can come back and that she could possibly even go back to Impact. So I, I you know, I I don't know, but her name resurfaces every six months or so. Again, it's just like, are people never supposed to work again? I don't have an answer to that question. But with her, it just seems to stick more than everybody else. Yeah, because it's, it's not like it's not like a so people have gotten canceled for specific incidents and then they come back, mm-hmm. right? And they they get brought back. It just seems like she's the type of person nobody wants to work with. I think like it's I not think, it's not like a DUI situation, right. right? It's not like where she went on a racist rant on Twitter or she was secretly recorded or it, this was like she was a bully to a lot of people and nobody wanted to work with her. I think that's the thing is I think that the problem is is nobody likes her. Yeah. Right. Like, and I think that hurts more for, for promoters and stuff like that. If you bring her in, you have to deal with the online baggage that comes with her. All like the, the racism stuff, right. Charges, religion, whatever. The people in the business don't seem to really like her all that much, which I think is a worse thing. Like she's not, she's almost, she's like blackballed. It's more because Mm -hmm. people are like, Oh, can't stand her than anything yeah. else you know and that's yeah bad right it, it's like like you could fuck up but if people like you and and you can draw some money you're you're likely to get brought back right like you Jeff know party is a prime example i was just of that. gonna he's, say have he's you, a prime example of that have you ever heard anybody ever say you know jeff hardy's a dick nobody no. ever says that he's a guy with demons who's got problems but everybody talks about how good a person jeff hardy is right yeah and like, if you can make money and you're well liked, Hulk Hogan is Hulk Hogan. He gets chance after chance. You know, yeah. he's never that guy's never going to be fully canceled. And same with Ric Flair. WWE's got Ric Flair back in, and that that whole he, mess got. Yeah, people like Ric Flair. People mm-hmm. like Hulk Hogan, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, nobody seems like Tessa. Nobody um, likes Tessa. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, before we go, cu- couple more things. I just wanted to say. Um, you know, Steve Macklin, my guy, I interviewed Steve Macklin last year. He's the new, uh, reigning impact world champion. And at the latest tapings, he, um, he is going, uh, doing an anti-Canadian gimmick. And I just think that's weird to turn a guy babyface so quickly after being a heel for such a long time. Um, because honestly I'm on Steve Macklin's side. Those sons of bitches in Canada have been talking shit since 1812. It's about time. One of our Marines went up there to get the respect that we deserve from those bastards. <laughs> I'm just gonna let that go. I know you were looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah. so. Sorry, I, but we're we're running out of time. Um, hey, not non wrestling stuff. I watched the season finale of Mandalorian. Me God too. Damn, just just was, finished it, dude. No, we won't do any spoilers. But that was fantastic, dude. I said this on Twitter afterwards. I said Mandalorian is the best thing Star Wars has given us since Empire Strikes Back. Is that good? I agree. It's yeah. the, it's so. It's good. And like people are like, look, if you if you were looking for like big reveals and like stuff like that, you're not going to get that. You, what you're going to get is just the bookend of a really good story. And that's yeah. really all I want. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. I'm, you know, Mandalorian every season starts off a little slow. 
Mm-hmm. And then you get into it. But once you get into it, damn, it's, does it suck you in. And it's so absolutely. good. It, it it is so good. So good. Um, speak, oh, Return of the Jedi. Coming back to theaters. Oh, did you, you hear that? Yes, you best. I already talked to Andy. We're going to go. I told him we're going to watch because he's never actually seen. He's only seen Return of the Jedi because he likes Luke versus the Rancor. He thinks right. that's just the coolest scene in movie history. So I'm going to we're going to now that he's older. We're going to watch the first two Star Wars movies. I'm going to have him watch um, A New Hope and, and Empire. And then we're going to we're going to go to the theater to see it because that was the first movie I ever saw in the theater. Oh, wow. I was three years old, and I—it's one of the earliest memories I have. Because I remember grabbing the back of the theaters, the seat in front of me, pretending I was an Ewok on a speeder bike, and my dad <laughs> slapping my hand. Yeah, so, yeah, very excited about that. Yeah, first movie I ever saw in theater was um, man, it was a uh, Rocky Five at the drive-in. When saw Rocky oh, Five at the drive-in yeah. theater? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the worst Rocky. I was my first movie. <laughs> Far and away yeah. worse, right? I was I was a kid and I loved oh, yeah, it. It didn't matter, yeah. right? It was just the boxing scenes were great. So oh yeah, I didn't realize how bad Rocky Five was till I was like 15 and I watched it again. Yeah. We were at a friend's house, we were like, damn, this sucks. Like it was yeah. like disappointing the first time you realize a movie you like is actually terrible. Uh movie I really liked I watched uh watched last week is Super Mario Brothers. Have you seen that one yet? I have, I reviewed it on my superhero speak podcast. It's oh, a damn dude. good movie. It is a damn good movie. It, to me, it, it blows the original movie away. Well, like, yeah. I, yeah <laughs> the original, dude, the original garbage. I know, but when I was a kid, it was awesome, right? Because it was a Super Mario movie, but then I watch it as an adult, and it's terrible. It doesn't hold up well at all, but I still enjoyed watching it because it, rem- it took me to a place in time of my life when I was a kid, so it kind of brought me back to being a kid. So check, check this out. It basically has the exact same plot. It's basically yeah. the same movie. It's just the one is done way better than the other way, one. Way, way better. I think the one that they just released, that one's going to be a classic for a long, long time. I think time. so. Yeah. It's yeah, blown away. It's, it's, it's killing at the box office. It's the most successful animated film that's come out in years. Like yeah. DreamWorks has a hit. DreamWorks, right? I think it's DreamWorks. Has a hit on their hands. And they're going to be quickly ushering Super Mario Brothers 2 into production. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. So here, uh, I'll end. We'll end the show with this little quick story. So, uh, my, I on my way to WrestleMania, I stopped off at my cousin's house. It's about halfway in between LA and the Bay Area, and we spent the night at her house. And we we get there and we're having dinner. She's like, "Hey, do you want to play some video games?" I'm like, "Ah, you know, I don't really play video games anymore." And she goes, "But it's a regular Nintendo." And I was like, "Okay, you have a regular Nintendo." She brings out a regular. I was like, "Where did you buy that?" And she goes dad bought that for me back in 1986 i just never got rid of it i've just had the same regular nintendo in my house and then she has the the regular nintendo with all kinds she has like 20 games there no way i was looking through the games i was like you're shitting me she's like yeah i've just kept it this whole time and now my kids are playing it they put in super mario super mario on there and i'm like you know i i thought i was gonna start crushing these these little twerps in it but they're better at it than i am i haven't played in 20 years and she had the regular Nintendo and I'm teaching my daughter how to play the original Mario brothers on regular Nintendo. And that was my daughter's introduction to super Mario. And then I showed her the trailer for super Mario brothers. She's like, daddy, I want to watch that. And so I got to go take her to the movies the following week. So I got to teach her about the regular Nintendo. And then I got to take her to super Mario brothers within a week. That's an incredible dad story. That is a cool dad story. Andy discovered it through Mario Kart because we have a, Wii from like uh, oh, probably 2007, 2008-ish. And so he was playing the Wii, and so he really got into the stuff that way. And his buddy at school was a big Yoshi fan. So he he mm-hmm. had a tangential knowledge of Mario, 
so now he's he thinks it's the coolest thing in the world. Not as cool as Pokemon. All the cool kids at school are into the Pokemon. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Oh, my kid's I, an expert now in Pokemon, apparently. I, you know, like there. So there's a couple guys at work that uh, they get on their phone and they walk around at night in parks looking at fucking goblins or something. They're chasing them around oh, yeah. on Pokemon Go. My kid does that. Yeah. 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 My phone. Yeah, and they they try to make fun of me for watching wrestling, and I'm like, you go around chasing goblins on your goddamn phone at night in parks. I think that you should be arrested for that. But you guys like that. Nobody should make fun of anybody's nerdy habits because you break it down. <laughs> you're a dork. Something about yes. you is a dork. Even if you're a fantasy football guy, you're a freaking oh, dork. Like I'm a fantasy football guy, and it's basically Dungeons and Dragons for failed jocks. That's all it is, man. It's <laughs> the exact same thing. Everybody, yeah. I never got into D and never got into fantasy football, but goddamn, have I read a shit ton of comic books? So <laughs> yes. everyone's yeah. a nerd about something. Yeah, so that's the two guys all in right. the wrestling podcast. Oh, that's like peak nerddom is two guys oh. talking about wrestling and super Mario brothers on a podcast. Dorks. Freaking dorks. Dorks. I got to go back to my wife and she's got to look at me like a masculine. She's fucking <laughs> lost all respect for me. Doing um, this show. We've been there for 20 years <laughs> with my wife. She gets it. Yeah. Uh, well, Hey guys, uh, you know what? I, I knew we weren't going to be able to top last week's show, so I didn't even try, nope. but I thought this was a pretty good episode. <laughs> we had a lot of cool stuff to talk about. And until next week, mahalo.